Hello, and welcome to the Four Color Nerds Podcast, episode 23. I'm Carissa, and I'm joined by some other nerds. Matt. Hi. Ryan. Hello. Um, apparently, fuck you, gas tank. Um, but Christina is besieged by life, so it goes. Together, we take on this week's comics. Each week, we read a variety of comics and gather here to discuss them. This is a review show, so there will be spoilers. If you don't want to hear spoilers, take a break now, go read your week's books, and come on back. Each week, one of us picks our favorite book of the week, and that's our pick of the week. This week, I am that nerd. My pick of the week goes to Doctor Strange number six. Um, this was actually Christina's pick, but she's not here, so I took it because I thought it was awesome. Our companion song for tonight is Bleed Black by AFI. Uh, my reasons are because reading this, I got in an AFI mood, and it just seemed to fit and work for me. So there you go. Doctor Strange number six by Marvel Comics, Jason Aaron and Chris Bacalo. Bacalo. Yes, everyone loves to correct me. Um, so yeah, um, we're with uh, Doctor Strange as he's still they're battling out in front of his abode. Um, we find that they think there's like some sort of heresy going on. They're like these weird robot men, and um, he's like you know they're talking about his defenses, and he's just trying to you know protect themselves. They're like weird orb head guys. It's strange. <laughs> Haha, <laughs> Doctor Strange, get it? Never mind. <laughs> Anyways, um, he has a tree. They're talking about the fences, and I'm trying to sum it up because there's so many like interesting details that are happening. My favorite line, personally, while the fences was "Beware of the shrubberies," because again, it maybe another Monty Python kind of I like reference. I got that too. Yeah, well, you know, because you know the other one's the big foot. You know, it seems like there's a lot of Mon Monty Python kind of things going around. Um. I did get a little confused. So I love the panel where it shocks all the different cities and they're going by and they're showing the different characters and how they're affected, how they're being taken down during this, basically this purge. And though I did get a little turned around because you see uh, the one from New, New Orleans, right? The Druid? No, the, oh, I'm trying to think of her name. She, she's later on. But you, if we see her in one of the um, ones we're going to talk about later. Uncanny Avengers. Yes. Season. And I'm like, so which order is this? When is this happening? When is this going down? Well, they talk about jumping ahead a little bit in Uncanny Avengers. They talk about how magic is unreliable. So yeah. I'm guessing that's. Well, I think they show us. her get like taken out or, or, or at least. Well, they, they all, they, I don't think anyone, they show anyone actually die. They show them all fighting, fighting like their yeah. last stands. But um, yeah, so he's fighting to the brutal end and they're basically, he's using up all his reserves, but he's saying that some, you know, still the continuation of some spells not working, some spells are working and him like trying to figure out which ones will. That's a continuing on from the previous issue and but this um high inquisitor guy who he's fighting is impressed and continues to be amazed by how much power um he the doctor has and eventually he digs deep and basically he sucks all the magic out of the planet and i love that the panel where it shows it like digging down through the basement and all like all like lightning and like ombre looking i think that's really cool 
and also because abracadabra you son of a bitch i love <laughs> that it's like the rock golem and just starts punching him yeah. but i just love that line <laughs> abracadabra son of a bitch <laughs> but yeah so but then like everything starts to go and then they says like there's nothing left and all that and you're like oh and then everything like i love how the panels the color goes away because yeah. like, all the magic is gone and then they start making references how like i love the things like there's a baby crying. He's using all the sorrow and he's like sucking it in. Just all the descriptors that they use was very powerful and very interesting. And it, it cast a visual and like a, a good feeling, which this whole storyline has done that for a while, which I've been really impressed because I wasn't a huge Doctor Strange fan before, but I, this particular one I really like. I think this issue or the series? The series. No, this series I really like previous incarnations of Doctor Strange, I've liked, but never like, ooh, I really want to read the next one, where this one, it's been that way. For me, this is a, a near-perfect issue. Um, I really like, you're talking about that scene where he, like, sucks all the sorrow uh, out and yeah. starts uh, attacking him. And he has, like, a line where he's like, you know, you you know, you wield sorrow as a weapon, but I was born in sorrow. Mm -hmm. Reminds me a lot of when, like, Batman is fighting Bane in... Uh, the last, Don't bring uh, your DC misstuff into here. He was born in the shadows. You just adopted it. Yeah. But like the whole mystery. Then also, what's going on with Mistress Miraculous? What's like, but like magic is gone, but like. That, that was like, just there, I think, to kind of illustrate that people who were relying upon magic are now fucked. Oh, yeah. Oh, I do love the, the vacationers oh. one, the, the gluttons. They're like, oh. I liked all of the the other stories getting screwed up. Like, Harry Potter's stuck in that closet forever now. This is and like basically the Winnie the Pooh one is just this girl lost in the and woods. The magic carpet animals. is straight up Jasmine. Jasmine falling. and Aladdin, yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Which yeah. they can do because they own it, or Disney owns yeah. them. It was really good. There were lots of, um, like each person got their, their little moment to defend themselves and shine. I really liked it. Or die a horrible death. Yeah. Go down well, like that one uh, magician. Magician who's in the bar, mm -hmm. like when the floating head comes out and he like runs out while like his wand. He's like, "I'm going to do what I was born to do: die with the wand in my hand." And, like, goes out that was. I'm. I want that on a freaking poster. Yeah, that yeah. one was pretty cool. There, like I said, there's just lots of interesting little like stories and like lines. It's just it was. I loved it. I also love that image at the end where he rips the the cloak or the the cape that Doctor Strange has. Because, like, in the beginning, when there's still magic around, it's actually attacking him and fighting. And it's like he comes out, even your clothes are, your garments are attacking me. Yeah. Just... So, yeah. I give it, uh, I think I'm going to have to give it, like, a uh, five. Um... Mm, I need something good. I can see your face. I can tell what you're thinking. <laughs> you no. Um. I'm going to give it five capes because I like his moving cape. I almost said shrubberies. The cape of levitation. Yeah. I'll give it five abracadabras. I'll give it five wands in my hand. I will also point out that this is leading to two series. The continuing series that we're reading right now. And there's a Doctor Strange. I don't know if it's going to be another series or just a, a special. But there's a Doctor Strange, the end of magic that they talk about the end. Yeah. But is that but, uh, the next arc? It's perfect. Book? It'd be so good. Yeah, this was good. This was very, very yeah. good. I think we all gave it five stars. Yeah. Right? possible rating. Yep. Which is, I think, the only time that's ever happened. It is the only time it's ever happened. Yeah. It's acceptable. All right. Good cool. job, Jason Aaron. <laughs> yep. Very good job. Oh, yes. yes. 
So I had another book from Marvel. I had Miss Marvel number five, um, written by G. Willow Wilson and Kelly Thompson, art by Nico Leon. Uh, so Miss Marvel number five, um, I love Kamala Khan, so I get to visit one of my favorite friends, which is awesome. Um, this story is kind of about being stretched too too thin, and having too many obligations and not enough basically hours in the day to fulfill them all. So in the last uh, issue, Kamala had the bright idea of basically um, Loki had created uh, copies of, of things, and they basically figured out how to 3D print them. Um, but there's a neurotoxin from the Hydra agents that Miss Marvel was too busy to wash off of herself. It's contaminated the, the clones, so they keep duplicating themselves. Um, and like as you know, you make a photocopy and then you take that photocopy, make another photocopy, they keep getting worse. Um, so they they're like spilling out of like the, the school. Like the school is just full of hundreds of her, and it almost looks like a like a zombie apocalypse. I mean, they're not actually hurting anybody. But you see them like crawling in like windows and just like milling around the parking lot. Um, she talks about how weird it is to see herself like over and over again. Um, the things I really like about this issue is the characters feel really believable. Like Miss Marvel feels like a, a very believable teenage girl. Her brother and his fiance feel like believable young adults, and the parents feel like they are believable adults. They all have different perspectives and different voices. None of them sound the same. Uh, like I talked about last week in Iron Man, that if you took a piece of dialogue from Tony Stark or from Mary Jane in that book, like it's good dialogue, but I could not tell you who said it if you gave them to me without an identifier on them. This one, I'm pretty sure I could identify every line of dialogue and who said it. So I think the voice is really strong for the characters. Uh, I like um, that you have the... the sort of the Spider-Man uh, model that she has, where she has, like, normal life problems, and then she has her superhero stuff going on. Um, I like the art. They have um, my favorite thing in, in panels is motion within panels, um, especially where they show the person multiple times in the same panel as they're traveling across it. Um, they do that in a couple of these panels. When I saw that, I knew I was going to be really happy with the issue, and I was. Um, I really enjoyed this both for its writing and its art. I thought they were both excellent. And I also thought it had a good sort of metaphor and story that's going on. So I, I liked it very much. What did you guys think? Um, I want to say more like copies. Uh, well, yeah, I guess it could be. But it was like, I felt more like, I was thinking gremlins. They were more like, you know, gizmo being duplicated, little mogwise. True. But because, um, and then, you know, also because the water thing. but Oh, yeah, that they're not water-soluble. Like, well, inside, yeah. and she melts because of the chai. <laughs> yeah, when she goes to her brother's, um, like, not engagement party, where, like, the two families are meeting each other. Arrangements, I guess. I yeah. don't know. Um, it was cute. Um, I was wondering what was going to happen. They all the little simulcrums running around. I'm wondering if they're going to have to address the fact that they, if they're sentient or not. You know, what well, and also, are they still existing at this point by the end of the book? Because at the end of the book, you see this gigantic Kamala. I think they formed into one giant Kamala clone robot thing. It must have been pretty easy peasy. At one point in the background, you <laughs> see them like make like a daisy chain ladder out of one of the buildings. 
like a yeah. slide and some of them are climbing up other ones like they're they started like Teamwork. using each other as tools kind of thing like like um constructor ant or carpenter ants that's the word so it's very interesting yeah yeah the weird mecha easy peasy robot shadow thing <laughs> i don't know form the head yeah it's interesting I, I really oh go ahead that's it I really enjoyed the conversation between the two sets of parents, you know, that they were both able to kind of express their concerns, but then put like the needs of their kids above their own personal desires. I thought that was a nice bit of writing. Yeah. So I liked it. Yeah, it's, it's, I am a little concerned how her good friends to see. couldn't tell her apart from one of those monoculars, though. I was like, what kind of friends are they then? It's like <laughs> they're in gym class and they can't tell that's her or her parents. Well, even. the whole thing is she's been getting so distracted. That's why she had to make the clones. So when they come in, they're not doing anything and not responding and talking to her. They're like, oh, mm. that's, that's Kamala. She's too, she's too busy. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's why they were not able to tell the difference. And they're probably not very smart. Mm-hmm. So I uh, ended up giving. I still like uh, her loving her old love interest's new girlfriend's hair. <laughs> she has a, a boy's name, but I can't remember what it is. It's like Mike, or is it Mike? I think it's Mike. Mike. Yeah. So I gave uh, Miss Marvel number five um, four chai teas. Um, I gave it three and three quarters easy peasies. I gave it four and torsto the Lokis. Nice. Speaking of the strange. Yeah, it's definitely strange. Uh, the next book is Limbo number five. That, thank God it's not Mambo number five. Uh, by Image Comics. It is written by Dan Waters and art by Casper Winyard. Win- Wingard. I know, we always say it different. I don't know what that's the part I screwed up on. There's I's and J's and double A. Weisengard. <sighs> Whatever he is, he's pretty awesome. Okay, so this is our continuing story. As I've noticed that we kind of get hooked on these books, and we will keep on a good series. And such as keeping on a good series, we are keeping on the limbo. Uh, it's the mysterious story of a mysterious man named Clay uh, and Voodoo. Yeah, uh, there's it's a kind of weird journey through maybe kind of a little bit of a, a primer without ever actually teaching you anything. Um because you probably don't want to know uh, of uh you know kind of voodoo practices and uh different deities and whatnot in voodoo. Um this is the next kind of part of the story which is kind of giving a, a, a nice little piece of of backstory to kind of tell us what's going on. We still don't know who Clay is. He's an amnesiac that is basically trying to make a life for himself. Uh, he's got a roommate who happens to be a, a Hungan, um, and she's in touch with the, the Loa. And this whole episode is kind of the story of her going into the afterlife to try to pull Clay back. Uh, previous issue uh they found out that the woman that hired clay uh, as he's working as a private detective kind of betrayed him um and uh, kind of ended up throwing things into a little bit of trouble and then here we find out that she's actually uh 
Baron Saturday's wife, and they have a bet. Uh, and they're actually who brought Clay back, and apparently Clay is not a good man. Uh, at least he wasn't in his past life. And now they're basically trying to see if they give him a second chance. Does he make good choices or bad choices? Uh, and that's finally we know what the point of the book is. We just still don't know a damn thing about Clay. Well, so this answered a lot of questions, but it also left me with, with even more questions. Which I suppose is good, but I found... I like stuff like that. I, I still find it very confusing to follow the, the plot of what's going on. Like, there are parts that I like. Um, but I find it very confusing. I like how she, um, his roommate twists uh, her t- when she's talking with Saturday. How like, well, if you let him get killed by Dagon now, you know he sacrificed himself to save me, so you're gonna lose. I like how she like, kind of turns it on him. Oh, and also as my side tangent, oh my god, Dagon saying how he's compatible with both VHS and Beta was hilarious. <laughs> that was awesome. I'm like, I love that. It's so. It's just so weird and so in line with this whole series and it just brings that weird technology food on back in the play. So is It kind of makes me think it's not really Dagon, though. Well, yeah, but that's Because there's no him. way Aloha's going to stop Dagon. Yeah, but that's what they're calling him, so. Yeah. Is this all taking place in Clay's head? Like, is he still in a coma and this is him having explosives? <sighs> I don't know if they're just telling her that or if... Depends on... What kind of philosophy you want to follow? Is it taking place in his head? Is it really taking place in the afterlife? Is the afterlife just in your head? It's really kind of hard to answer that question. Okay. Kind of. Yeah. That was what was confusing to me. Um, I mean, technically, all of everything is taking place in my head. So, you know. I feel kind of bad. He totally stole her body. That was messed up. I like the uh, the part at the end where the person is saying that it's like itchy and then they peel their face. Uh, That's what I'm saying. Oh, itchy. Body- oh, much better. He body rode her out of um, the, yeah. the world underneath the sea or whatever. I didn't realize that was her. The problem well, she's green, is... So that's like, you know, that's, she's the only one. They, that's how they put her. There's a, a couple of problems that I have had with this series. And they're not necessarily problems. It's yeah. just makes it a lark. Lark, I cannot fucking talk tonight. Uh, it makes it a little difficult to follow. Is you never really know is this stuff physically happening, or is the entire series just in a in somebody's head? Mm-hmm. Because the all the the different people are different, like 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 blue and purple and green, right? Right. Is this all physically actually happening on, on, you know, the material plane? Or is it just a spiritual story? Or is it a physical story? Um, you, you just, you can't ever tell. I mean, isn't an idea in Vudan that the spirit world and the physical world are overlapping each other and, like, much closer than you think they are? True. So. The other best part of the book, of, the, of this issue, 
was Mando the Barbarian. I love that. Oh, <laughs> yes. Favorite part of the book. Especially the end part. Well, yes. well, there's the end, but the part where, like, also you do see that lizard get lassoed, and you're like, that's a strange panel, because he never referenced it again. Then all of a sudden he comes charging in, and he explains how the reason why he went unseen is because of the spell from two issues ago. And it's like yeah. this little He-Man-like figure just coming back and like... Well, you did put a spell on me to hide me. Yeah, and then this, the second little side story that's at the end is pretty funny. Like the, the advertising, like, no, this is how you do it. It like, teaches the kids how to actually use the spell. that is an appropriate Mando. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, and there's this like really dark line where he's like, don't tell your parents, they're the ones who find you. And I'm like, oh, yeah. God, that's that's I'm like, that's well, that's fucked up right there. Yeah. Yep. But I still love the idea of the little living He Man, basically. Riding an iguana or whatever the hell that was. <laughs> it's like his battle lizard. Yeah. yeah. What did you end up giving it, Matt? This was really good. I'm going to give it four Mandos. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess I'll give it... Um, I didn't think of something other than Mando. Um... For compatible with Betamax. Oh, you could give it spiders. That was what I was going to do. I don't like those spiders. I, I don't think I like this series as much as you guys, or as Christina also, so I'm only going to give it three spiders. Fine. Uh, can't take you. God damn it, Ryan. But, we, we all have different opinions man. and tastes. That's fine. Yes. Some of us have right ones, and you have wrong ones. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> on to pointy chin <laughs> and you can't cut that out because <laughs> you're not editing <laughs> sorry um, Rocket Raccoon and Groot number 3 Marvel Comics um, Scotty Young and Felipe Andre so yeah I love Rocket Raccoon and Groot no big surprise so we finally um, get down to the nitty gritty of what happened and basically, Rocket has been this whole big charade to get back at Groot for something is what it turns out to be. It was just like a big trolling of Groot. It's the, the birthday party issue from the last series yeah. that we thought was awesome because it's just Groot telling a story so, where he just keeps saying, I am Groot, I am Groot. Yeah, yeah Rocket does not was not a fan of that. Yeah, so, <laughs> yes. So, as Ryan was saying, yes, it's basically Rocket getting revenge in a very Rocket-esque way. And it's just him talking, you know, talking and like, you know, basically you learn about that. And he's like, well, what took you so long? I thought you'd be here in a day. <laughs> and basically Groot's like, I am Groot. <laughs> but in basically a way of going, you have no idea what I just, you know, I just told you what I went through. I had to tear my body apart. It was awful. And, you know. But then it comes back. So the guy that he took the job from as the evil overlord, he didn't kill. He had him just like down in the basement of the dungeon where he sent Pockets and Shrub. So Pockets and Shrub basically being Rocket and Groot in a way, broke out like they do and made a deal with this guy to get revenge on Razcoon Rocket. And um, they have like a little standoff. And 
It's just adorable. <laughs> it's basically the whole thing. Ain't nothing like me but me. And the other one's like, uh-uh, it's like me. <laughs> no one can break out of prison like I can. I can no, yeah. we're the best at it. Yeah. So Lyle, like, no, no, I'm the best. Lyle posturing and fighting. And I like he, um, Rocket gives uh, Pockets like an atomic wedgie at one point. One panel pulls his underwear <laughs> over his head. And just like, and then Shrub is actually not as involved in that well neither is group <laughs> yeah I mean, so they're they're just kind of sitting there yeah and but it was adorable and they were fighting and then they have to get them oh, sorry they draw a blank um when they get back and there's like oh who's that in that coffin over there what are you guys doing and all the guardians are like what <laughs> Yeah, I like that they have like you know each of them being parallels of the other one. Um, mm. It kind of reminds me in like maybe like a, a Scooby Doo cartoon or something where it'll have like the monster on one side of the door and the person on the other, and they'll like they'll you know they move their hand and the other person moves their hand and you know they're kind of mirroring each other. So yeah. like there's like a part where they're you know saying that they always have a plan and they want the other person to go first and say what their plan is, and yeah. both of their plans are exactly the same, which is run. Yeah, um, I like that. Uh, I like when they're insulting each other and saying how gross each other an the other animal is. Their your your tail has no fur and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But also then when he's like, "I will have our revenge," and then he goes, "We are shrub," and he goes, "Like that was a sweet declaration of revenge, and you know it." <laughs> and Shrub's like, oh, shaking his head, no. But my favorite part is Groot being always so docile and just like, "I'm Groot," whatever he never really say. And Rocket's talking about how. Uh, jumping to like warp speed or whatever makes him nauseous and not to do that and all of a sudden group just takes off and he hears why'd you do that <laughs> sound effects of him yeah. retching and i was like yeah go group <laughs> but yep it was adorable i thought it was a nice like wrapping up of that story and it was so cute and it was very close to being my pick but i wanted to but like I said, we said Doctor Strange was a five, and I give this um. Oh wait, I'll let you guys talk about it first, huh? <laughs> what do you think, Matt? I cannot actually talk about it because I missed this one. Oh, you it was all I feel horrible. I'm like, no! It was all the adorableness. Well, added to your stack of things, you need to go back and reread. This is the last one. Is it the last one? It says end at the very end. Well, the that's probably the end of the story. Yeah. But uh, I, I really liked it. Normally, when I read a book that's kind of funny, I'll usually like be chuckling, and I was like laughing. Well, laughing out loud. People say it all the time. They don't really mean that, but I was like, people came in to see if I was all right when I was reading. It. I was making. A You're like, normally I'm just a grumpy old man. Yeah. No. <laughs> What's yes. the sound of joy and mirth coming from you? We're not used to this. Yeah. It made me laugh, and I like the story. I like the parallel between them. Uh, I ended up giving it um, four uh, We Are Shrubs. We Are Shrubs! I gave it four and a half. This Star-Lord's hobby is dying. <laughs> because I thought that was cute. And that <laughs> auto defaults to whoever's pick the week it is his vote, so he gives it a four and a half, too, because I say so. <laughs> that works. Um, I believe that would be you. Having something. Oh, Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Yeah. Let me pull up my... Turtles on a half shell. Turtle power. Well, I wanted this one because I, I wanted something kind of fun and 
when we had a we had a, a poll a while ago and we asked people like readers what series we wanted them to read and this was one of the ones that we we had on there so i started reading it and i really really liked it um it's batman teenage mutant ninja turtles number four from dc comics it's written by james tinian the fourth art by freddie williams the second man so, they're all lots of lineages you really should have referred to them as james tinian the fourth yeah and Freddie E. Williams, the second Esquire. I really, I liked this one because, first of all, it was it was super fun. Like just seeing the turtles and Batman together, um, doing stuff. All three, the previous three issues and this one included, has been one of my my favorite things. Like there's uh, panels in previous issues where they're like riding the dinosaurs. They're in Batman's Bat Cave, and like there's just all kinds of like neat little fun things like that. And in this one, you get really strong quick uh characterizations like to the heart of each character like you have like you know michelangelo is like riding his skateboard you know down like the banister of like wayne manor um and ordering like you know a bunch of pizzas Poor alfred. Uh, which alfred doesn't like because he's very proper and stuffy and then you kind of see like the the tears behind the clown with michelangelo where he's like well we're dying you know are you gonna deny mm-hmm. me like the little joy that i have left you know and then alfred's like well yes i will young man mm-hmm. this is not proper um and then you have like uh, Donatello is like working with like uh, the Justice League and Cyborg and like using all the computers and checking out all the 3D animations. So you get this kind of like nerdy ninja side. Um, and then one of my favorite ones is when Leonardo and Batman are fighting each other, like they're sparring, and Splinter is kind of sitting up on a like a, a ledge in the Batcave and he's like coaching them, like each one. Which that was kind of cool to see Batman being trained by Splinter. I thought it was pretty pretty awesome. And then uh, Leonardo uh, actually uh, throws Batman, which I thought was pretty cool because normally Batman doesn't uh, doesn't go down for that kind of stuff. So I liked that you got to see Leonardo as like the tactician, uh, you know, leader type. And then you have uh, Raphael, who's all pissed off um, that they're dying and they're putting all their hopes in this crazy man who, this crazy rich spoiled brat who dresses up like a bat and goes out into the night and beats people up for the thrill of it. So he's not he's not crazy about this at all, and he. He leaves the bat cave and it's like walking in the rain with like his trench coat, you know, like a very classic like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles like scene. It's very much like that in like the first movie from the nineties. Yeah. yeah, well Raphael always gets mad and leaves. Mm-hmm. That's like his he's like the teenager's like slamming the door behind him. Like that's his basically you could sum his if you were mm-hmm. gonna sum up his character, that would be the the slamming the door. <laughs> you don't understand. You could just imagine with the like cheesy uh um like Casting, yeah. man who slams door and walks out number four. <laughs> and then, so Batman uh, comes by with the, like the Batmobile and tells him to get in, and he has to show him something, and then he'll understand more of what's going on. So he takes him to Crime Alley, which I thought was really cool because you got to learn, you know, see Batman have his scene too, where he's also showing Raphael something really personal to him. Um, that he is, first of all, you know, is revealing his secret identity and the reason that he's Batman, and that his parents died. And there's also this little detail in, like, the panel that I really like, is that you can see basically the, almost like the ghosts of Thomas and Martha Wayne in the alleyway when he's talking. So I don't know if it's he's telling the story so well and emotionally that you can, hearing it, you can see it, or if it's, like, the ghosts are always there haunting him. But either way, Raphael understands why he does what he does, and now now they're all on board to go fight uh shredder and uh Ghul, who have teamed up which is good 
because Casey Jones has come with mutagen from the other world into the DC world because mutagen doesn't exist. So all the, the mutant animals are being like depowered by it. Um, they're going to turn back into like turtles and rats and stuff. So that's why they're dying. That's why they're dying. Yeah. Cause it doesn't exist in this universe. Um, so when Katie Jones uh, comes through with the mutagen to save them, uh, Raza Ghoul and Shredder beat the living crap out of him and take the mutagen and take it to like the worst, scariest place you could think to take it. I think the last panel is like, does the word Arkham mean anything to you? Yeah. Yeah. And you've got that awesome panel of him standing in front of the gates of Arkham Asylum holding the, the mutagen. So I like it. I like it. You know, it's like it's like a Reese's peanut butter cup. I like chocolate. I like peanut butter. Boom! You put them together, it's delicious. It doesn't always necessarily work though. But I like I went into this thinking like, how the hell is that gonna work? Yeah. Actually, chocolate okay. and peanut butter. No, that's okay. I'm not complaining about that. I was saying I wasn't <laughs> sure how this was gonna work. I did like when the foot guy was just like, "What's your name?" Foot. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, that was awesome. Foot. <laughs> Yeah, like super I didn't get monster. the whole point of showing the Joker at the beginning. I thought it was just kind of like fan service. I thought it was a really weak Joker. Yeah, it just was kind of like, eh. I mean, I get it. Like, eventually it sets them up for when they mention Arkham again later. But it just seemed kind of, it seemed like forced. That's why at first I was like, yeah, I have to read this. Because those first few panels, I'm like, this is like ridiculous. It seems like instead of the Joker, maybe they should have chose like Killer Croc as the one, because he's also, like, an animal, kind of. Anamorphic so, yeah. bad guy. Um, yeah. But other than that, yeah, I thought it was okay. Um, like I said, I mean, it had all the elements, and, and like, it looked okay. I wanted something fun and awesome, and it delivered everything I wanted from it. So, I liked it. Did you read this one, Matt? I started to. Started to. And then my lunch ended. <laughs> yeah, I know how that is. Didn't like it. It, it, it than I just was too. I don't want to talk bad about James Tinney in the fourth. You don't want that whole lineage coming after you. Yeah, seriously. And I mean that. I mean he might have a child, so it might be James Tinney in the fifth. And obviously, they care about you know where their family line is going, so I might have to worry about their descendants, and it's it's a big mess. Um, it was just <sighs> sophomore. It it really seemed like it was just kind of forced to try to fit these two things together. I'm not a huge fan of crossover stories where two universes cross. Okay. Um, it, I I just it, it it's like the it's like the writers are always trying to make sure nobody gets left out. And then it just ends up seeming kind of tacked on. Uh, it was a little weird though. And that's the other thing is that I don't really appreciate the turtles as the, uh, I don't know what would be the right term. The Saturday morning turtles outside of Saturday morning cartoons and the movies. And this is, it seemed like they were the cartoon turtles. And in a comic, I expect to see the turtles in all red uh, and angry and, and out for blood. Even in the Eastman uh, Ninja Turtle series, which is pretty awesome, they, they're no longer all in red. That's probably to sell more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, more than anything else. They're, 
that's because he's been sold out. Yeah. Well, I which would... you know, it's a fuck ton of money. Yeah. But still. Love So I ended up giving it uh, three and a half batarangs. Okay. Um, I gave it a good three mutagen cans. I'll give it three inappropriately colored masks. Alright. And speaking of masked people... Speaking of masked people... Jupiter Circle number four... Well, Jupiter Circle volume two, issue number four. Because there's a distinction you really do need to make. Um, This is about by Image Comics, written by Mark Millar, or Miller... Uh, and Chris Sprouse is the artist. Uh, this is not your. Uh, this is not your daddy's Justice League. It is. <laughs> it, it, it is, but it's like it's what happens if Authority is a little bit less '90s, but in the '60s, it's um it's the Justice League. You can obviously tell that each of the characters. Is a member of the Justice League, and they're a uh, uh, pastiche isn't the right word, but uh, like an homage character Silver to the the Seven. After Dark, right? The what? Like the Silver Age Heroes After Dark. Yeah, it's Silver Age Heroes After Dark, uh, and I I even love the fact that the bad guy in this uh, was Hobbs. Yeah, they draw him like Gene Hackman in the mid seventies. <laughs> I was just like, oh, that's fucking awesome. So there's the story of the, the Batman uh, analog. That is, basically, he kind of got fed up with uh, the establishment and everything else. And he went and kind of hung out with uh, beatniks and hippies. Uh, and they were like, you know what? We need to overthrow the establishment instead of just you know trying to save people, basically. Um, so, you know, he helped with, uh, some riots and he kind of became an outlaw himself, which I find funny for the Batman character because he kind of became a little bit of a, he was never a hippie. He's always the hard ass Batman character, but he's kind of an anti-establishment hard ass Batman character. Yeah. That the, the order that he's trying to uphold is the thing that's actually causing the problems. Right. Um, but he sees that Hobbs has depowered, uh, you know, all of his friends. And I don't know if there's going to be more to this or if he's just like, nobody picks on my little brother, but me kind of thing. Um, uh, because he seems a little bit too eager once he gets back into the fold, um, to, to kind of like be part of the team again. And I don't know, maybe he was getting just bored with. Uh, the the whole hippie beatnik thing, or that wasn't working out the way he thought it was, and he's honestly back, or or what? But basically, they've all been depowered. And the story kind of continues on the the plot line that Hobbs, who's this, literally he's a brilliant Lex Luthor character, which is why I find it awesome that they draw him like Gene Hackman. Um, but he makes this gun who, or which takes their powers away, and he's planning on. Throwing them into an antimatter universe to have them 
basically die inside this this universe. And then the Batman analog shows up and royally kicks everybody's ass. Uh, first by having the, I think it's the son of the Utopian, which is the Superman character. Um, but it might be one of the, the Flash's kids. Because I don't know if the Utopians had kids yet. Uh, he does later uh, in one of the other Jupiters. I can't remember the the next part of the word. Jupiter's Circle or Jupiter's Legacy? Yeah, I think it's in Legacy um, where the the kids are basically show up. And it's kind of like Kingdom Come because everything's all fucked up, uh, including the, the hero's kids and all that. Uh, it basically shows that second generation superheroes are not necessarily superheroes. But in this story, uh, the you know Batman basically shows up, kind of saves the day, gets them all back, uh, and defeats the uh, the bad guys, and gets uh, everybody's powers back by jumping into this animatter universe and putting the gun back together and shooting everybody. Um, I thought it was a fun little romp. It's it's what the Jupiter's books are. They're just an alternative look that's a little bit more of a kind of a darker bent on, you know, your Justice League stories. Um, this seemed to be kind of a connecting issue. That nothing really moved forward very much in the larger plot of what's going on with this Batman character. Uh, it just kind of got him back into the circle, and I don't understand really why, based upon where he was going with everything else. Um, I still liked it, though, but I'll give it probably not really as high a score as if it was it was uh, kind of more of a monumental thing. Um, I do love having Chris Browse doing these things because Mark Miller's writing, not exactly, but somewhat reminds me of Alan Moore. Like, you remind me of a very young Alan Moore. Um, and, and the the reason why that's awesome is Chris Browse is, unless I'm horribly wrong, um, Chris Brouse was the artist on uh, Tom Strong, which is my, well, yeah, probably my favorite Alan Moore story, uh, which is, he's this Doc Savage, super science hero character. Uh, and the art on this is just, it's the same thing as that. And I, I have absolutely zero hope of ever seeing um not zero hope, just a very small hope of of seeing Tom Strong because it's an acquired taste and it's only for serious nerds like myself uh, that they ever make it again. Um, so it's nice seeing Sprouse kind of do some more stuff uh, along the kind of the same vein of taking a weird look at classic superhero tropes. Um, I'll give it a three and a half uh reconfigured power stealing guns anybody else read it i read it um it was a little it was okay i mean i didn't hate it i didn't really love it it was interesting i mean personally i thought the funniest thing was the like mouseketeer henchmen with like the newton darwin einstein written across their chests yeah those guys are awesome kind of Humorous, like literally, they're like the Musketeer henchmen. <laughs> Hi, I'm Annette. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Um, to me, that was I found that the most humorous. But so 
It was kind of, and I mean, I've enjoyed other Jupiter circles that we've read. I don't necessarily particularly care that much about this one. So I gave it like two and a half uh, Mouseketeers. <laughs> I, it was all right. Um, the big problem that I had, I think this book is strongest when it's uh, doing like a social commentary, like when he actually met the beatniks and was meeting like writers throughout time. And then there was like the Watts riot. Like I thought that was really strong. And this, it's like, he just turned so fast to go back to help his friends with, like, no explanation. So maybe that's coming later, but this uh, felt kind of rushed, maybe? Like, it didn't take the time to... It just seemed like he's just all of a sudden, oh, wait, let me run to their help. Yeah, that was that was what I was trying to kind of get at with the... It just seemed kind of... Okay. You're yeah. a hero again? Similar to where he says something like, they may be corrupt, but these guys are evil or, you know, actively evil or something. I don't know. I, I still don't know why he made the switch, but it was all right. There's a pretty sweet panel of them walking out of the antimatter chamber doing like their superhero strut. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Pretty, pretty yeah. awesome. Um, I give it three. I could just imagine going, I look pretty good, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> we look good when we do this. Yeah. They've obviously practiced. All right. And moving on to something completely different. <laughs> and now for something completely different. Yes, something completely different. Insects, number four, Aftershock Comics, written by Marguerite Benet. Bennett. Bennett? Bennett. You see it like every single issue or episode. Bennett. We need to call these issues. I don't know. I would say Benet, but okay, Bennett. Art by Ariella Cristanitina. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, everyone by now has to know how bad I am with names. So I I like this book. I, I have a feeling that most other people here do not. Um, but I continue to love Changeling Gaslight, is what I call it. Um, we have the... Our main character, the the lady, um, has someone come to her in the middle of the evening and say that someone has confessed to the murder of her husband, which she knows is not true. And so she um, makes haste to go see because she wants to face this person who is claiming this. And she takes along uh, William, the doctor, um, with her. And after handing Mariah the baby to keep safe from her sister-in-law. And so as they leave, they get to the prison and um, all, the, and it's more like um, an insane asylum like prison mm -hmm. because there's nurses there working like ladies and they're saying how like the prisoners have been screaming all night and they're saying, oh, hush, you know, you're going to give the women a bad name. We need, you know, in the society. But when they go in there, it shows like, it looks like almost like the prison uh, yard from Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, the tower in the center, the big stacked cells and it's just blood it's just bodies and like magical runes and drawings all over the place like someone's doing a ritual people are screaming how oh he's not human da, da, da. and it looks horrible and somehow it triggers her to start going all insect beast mode um the doctor quickly like gets her awake oh he also can at that on the way there confessed his love for her which no big surprise um, but he also kind of um, admitted that he uh, suspected that she was had her hand in her husband's murder, but he doesn't care. Um, so when we get back, um, so they go back to the house. They basically she recovers from her uh, 
incident, they say um, her and um, Mariah decide to go back to the prison and apparently get it on in the prison. And this is where we will call it our changeling sexy time because this issue always has some sort of interesting, pro- provocative well, it, like enhances time. their powers, I think. Uh, yeah, I think it has to enhance their powers, but there's like face sitting and like there's just this all sorts of things going on. They're yeah, they're they're into it. They are into each other and into it. And it is kind of graphic, but not so much, but I'm just saying, you know, among the blood and gore and the rituals, it's uh it wouldn't be my place to think that that's what would um the perfect setting for that. But they decide to go hunt down the um uh the London butcher who they've been tracking. And it shows them like traveling all throughout, like, and they're saying how he covers his tracks by crossing water and all this stuff. Eventually they come into an actual butcher shop and there's a guy there. It looks like he's eating over the table. He's like eating something. Yeah. And they say like, oh, we've interrupted you. But it turns out he turns into like this weird insect werewolf, green werewolf guy. But he apparently is like some sort of brotherhood inquisitor looking for heretics type of thing. Which werewolf, which made this book just go up for me personally, because <laughs> I'm I'm easy that way. It's a werewolf, or looks at least looks like one. He says he's something else. I forget um, forget what he actually calls himself. But they transform and fight. And he's like ripping off her like insect arms, and it's it's pretty graphic fight. Eventually, they get him chained up. Oh yeah, he says, he says he's a cynocephalus. Is what he called when himself. I read that, I was like, I need to look up what that is. <laughs> but. Yeah, but he's the holy brotherhood of that. And he's basically saying he is not the London Butcher. He is looking for, he's hunting down those people, actually. It is someone else who's actually doing it. He is a horrible murderer, but not the horrible murderer that they happen They're to looking be looking for. for. He actually wants to hunt them. But then after that, it flips to... No, no, no. I am a horrible murderer. Just not that one. Yeah. Yeah. I have committed many crimes, not this crime. His name is Tala or whatever, Tala. But then you see the bitchy sister-in-law. Apparently, she is something like them because it shows her with weird three-fingered clawed things climbing something and saying how she's looking for something that they call the hag, which I don't... I'm going to go on a limb and say I don't think it's the lady because that doesn't seem very hag-like she's well, more insect-like when they when they describe the hag they're showing you pictures of of that lady like with every like bad trait that they have yeah it's showing you hers like i think she is the hag but then or so so then it could be that oh that makes more sense now it's the werewolf talking <laughs> about for yeah. don't laugh at me and they're looking for the sister-in-law I, who's the hag i think she's like a bird thing because like if you look at her her she looks very she... harpy-ish. Yeah, because yeah, she and then she has the weird wings. Yeah, she looks very harpy-esque. Yeah. And yeah, they turn more into talons in the last frame, or it's by her face, but when it's on the wall, it looked more like gecko looking at first. Not as, but I think that's just the angle that you don't see the talon. Yeah. Sorry, it took me a while. I caught up on the second cursory glance of the panels. I realized <laughs> it's him talking, but showing pictures of something else happening elsewhere. Right, right. So yes, excuse me, yes. So it'd be like in the yeah. movie where you'd have the voiceover over yeah, the scene. Yeah, voiceover, yes. Like... So, werewolf dude looking for the sister-in-law. 
and good because she is a bitch and I don't like her. <laughs> I don't either. This is like the Kaiser Soze moment in the book where you're like, yeah. oh, now I realize what she is. You know? Yeah. And so she also probably knows more about them than, they, than they realize. Yeah. So she's even more of a danger to their child because of that. So I like it. Um, it interests me and in, like, I like that whole like kind of world i guess is the way i understand that's not everyone's take it is very strange it is different so i understand it's not everyone's cup of tea but definitely went up points because i totally love the werewolf dude (laughs) and if you want some occasional panels of sexy time also it might be for you there's more than a few panels it's a good (laughs) three pages or so and it's well drawn yeah there's a couple (laughs) double page page spreads there's there are spreads, yeah. Yes, there is. <laughs> yes, there is. So, Matt, did you read this one? Nope. Ah! He did say last time that uh, he would not read them if we... Ah. Uh, I didn't think he would actually not read them, but that's fine. This one is, I think, better than... It gives me a headache looking at this book. Wait, he really hates the artwork. I, don't, now I, remember. I can't stand it. I love it. I'm Good crazy. on you. I read your Jupiter book. <laughs> and I, you said you liked it. What? No, Jupiter's fine. No, I read. I like. I really should have said I read Savage Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I gave it four green werewolves. Also, anime reference Slayers. The werewolf in in the anime series Slayers was also green. Totally reminded me of this. Sorry, I had to throw that in there. I I liked it. I'm not. Uh, I'm not in love with it. Um, I give it three um, three werewolves. <gasps> I will allow uh, one of you to give a score for me. Uh, I, sounds like you give it zero, zero fucks given. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> zero fucks given. Give it werewolf. What did I just give it? I like werewolves. Yes. I just don't like this comic. He has like weird also like insect like spiky thing yeah like kind of like his ribs, ribs yeah. yeah so he's not quite werewolf but he's werewolfy enough he's like a black spiral but green <laughs> yeah. green spiral dancer well of course they can have weird skin colors too because that means they're just twisted but yeah he's like a black spiral but apparently very religious <laughs> most black spirals are they worship the worm uh-huh. yeah. This oh yeah yes yes Oh, look at you pulling in some werewolf knowledge. <laughs> hey, I, I backed that Kickstarter. I'm, I'm down. So next we have Haunted Mansion. I so, did read this one. I did too. Yes. So Haunted Mansion is uh, from Marvel Comics. Um, it's their, they have a new imprint that they're doing where they're basically taking the, uh, like the rides from Disneyland and then they'll do like a little, like six issue movies like they did. Um, they did Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, which is really good. Um, they did the last one that you, Chris, actually picked. It was like the Imagination Dragon one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't remember the name of it. Figment. Uh, yes, the yes. Figment. So this, this is in that same line for like younger readers. It's by written by Joshua Williamson, who's one of my favorite writers over at Image. Um, art by Jorge Culo. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. Um Joshua Williamson writes uh, a book over at Image um, called uh, Nailbiter, which is about serial killers. Um, and he also writes Birthright, which is about kidnapped children. 
So I thought he was probably a good choice to uh, write a scary book. Maybe not a scary book for children, but I think he does pretty good uh, with the the tone for it. So I have to uh, say, <laughs> hmm. got some problems with children there. I, I, oh yeah, I can't read his the ones on Image. They're just not for me. They upset me, but they're good in that way. But they're so good that I can't deal well, with them. You, so the the nail biter series, which mm-hmm. is the serial killer one, um, he said children will never be hurt in that, and there will never be like sexual violence in that book. Yeah. So but there are plenty of blood splattered murders that take place, but children don't yeah. don't get hurt in that book. So might check it out so anyway but back to the book we're actually talking about which is haunted mansion number one so this is um the story of this uh this kid whose grandfather is like a an adventurer um and this town has this old haunted mansion that everyone you go through a bunch of panels everyone's telling you how it's haunted and there's a different story from every person um and the grandfather tells him you know well when I come back from my next adventure, you know, we'll go, we'll go check it out. To the Matterhorn. So he goes to the Matterhorn <laughs> and then there's an avalanche and he dies. I'm like, Wait, isn't the Matterhorn a Disney ride? Yes. yes. That's why it's funny. Yes. I'm wondering if that's going to be the next comic. I'm like, well, was, the, was the Abominable Snowman there? Like, Harry. Yeah. yeah. This was cool. also Christina's book too, because she loves Disney. So there's going to be a lot of references in here probably that I am totally missing. Um, like she had commented that the artwork in this um, looks exactly like the the ride at Disneyland. No, it, and it, I, I know when he's going through the mansion that the order that he's going through the mansion is kind of how you go through in the ride. Yeah. Like he goes into the beginning room where like everything starts like elongating. Um, oh no, it's done really well. Like the things that they picked up that you go through the ride on, like even the door not being there and the lights going out, and then also the door being there is like dead on. Like. They made parts that, that were are the ride actually story elements, but they make it work. And I was surprised that I was like, "Oh, sure, they're just gonna have them wander through, and there's gonna be things that look like it." But they actually threw in some of the bells and whistles. I guess is what a it were. Yeah, I I enjoyed this a lot. I felt it was as an adult reading it. I mean, it was a little formulaic, but all kids stuff is. Um, but I was I was interested enough in it to probably continue reading it. I was also really fortunate this week um, that I was hanging out with my friend's kids who are 12 and 8, which are like the perfect ages for this. So I gave this to them to let them read it, and they loved it. So I think... They're still screaming, but they loved it. Well, yeah, they they clawed their eyes out, and uh, I got in a lot of trouble, but... Itchy. They wrote, I love it, in blood on the walls. It was... (laughs) Like they do. Yeah, like, like they do. So I, I like as an adult, I found it enjoyable enough. If I had like preteen or like kids in grade school um, who like, I would say this is about goosebumps level scary. I would say. Mm, yeah, I'd give it a goosebumps. Yeah, if your if your kids like goosebumps, they'll probably like this. If they think goosebumps is maybe for little kid, littler kids than them, they may not want to read this. But that's the gauge for if this is appropriate for your kids or not. I would say. I now, are you talking know. classic cheesy Goosebumps or recent cheesy Goosebumps movie? Um, never seen any of them. Um, I know my brother liked them. What? And I've read like one of the books because I read it to him when he was a little kid. The, um, the movie's good, actually. The Jack Black one. Yes. I haven't seen it. Uh, they. It's a Jack Black movie. I like Jack Black, but I've never seen it. 
I saw there was a werewolf in it, though. So I was curious. I'm well, there's a werewolf in, uh, well, yeah. The, meh. There's a werewolf in it. Yeah. So this one um, had that kind of like young kid on an adventure feel to it. It had appropriate levels of scariness to it. It had lots of stuff from the actual ride that I think kids will like being able uh-huh. to, to see. So I, I enjoyed it. One of the things I didn't like, I thought Madame Leota's face wasn't right. She's so iconic and she looks so harsh and angular in the way she's drawn, where I feel like she has very softer kind of features in the actual ride and even on like some of the ride, like the merchandise for the ride in right. the park. So I thought that was kind of weird since she's so like important like earlier like when she had him in the, in the mirror to get to lure him there i thought it was a little closer but then when they show her actually in the orb or the crystal ball not quite nailing that and then like the weird musician ghosts i'm like they look a little like hobbit like adventuring party to me they don't look it just i thought they were a little too comical compared to the other specters they seemed like they were in a slightly different like art style yeah they were drawn so I didn't really care. That's one of my complaints for that. But other than that, like they definitely they mentioned the attic, they mentioned the bride. I didn't remember recall a pirate tie-in for the haunted mansion in California. But it would make sense, I guess, with Pirates of the Caribbean being so close that maybe they kind of combine them a little bit in like the mythos or something. So I'm curious what they do with that. But yeah, everything else is I like all the little nods to the ride and how they interplay it into an actual story. Uh, though Danny, th- you know, there's, I'm sorry, Danny, there's no way you're going to avoid the attic. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to have to go. You're going to have to go. Um, if you like these kind of books, um, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad is complete. You can get it in a trade. And it is, for a, a kid's book like this, is like easily like four and a half. It's like one of the best kids' stories I've read in, in years. So. That one I give an even higher recommendation than this so far. So, uh, what would you what did you give it as a rating? Uh, I gave it uh, three and a half mansions. Uh, yeah, I gave it um, probably yeah three and a half uh, Medusas. I like her, how she was drawn. And what Matt said, you didn't read um, it. No, I read this one. Okay. Uh. Three and a half Matterhorns. I thought the lady's face looked kind of weird too, but then I realized I was thinking about the face in the like mirror thing from Pee-wee's Playhouse. Uh, so, like, so I, I can't actually compare it to the haunted mansion one because I don't remember what she looks like. So, yeah. What? There's no fucking Star Wars this week. No. Oh, get the movie on digital tomorrow. Apparently, <laughs> and shush. No Star Wars. But Matt, I think, has something to talk about. But there about. is Action Comics number 50, which is this yeah. week's contribution that's into Savage Dawn. That is not okay. What? That is not an acceptable replacement to Star Wars. Superman? This was probably one of the strongest issues that Savage Dawn we've had. I have to agree. Mostly because it ended up with Superman getting his fucking shit back. When I saw that, I was like, oh, Matt's going to love this. I did. I was like, oh, he's got his fucking costume. Done with that stupid t-shirt. Done with the kryptonite. It's back in blue. Uh, One thing I didn't like about this, though. Oh, okay. So this is by DC Comics. Oh, my God. What a shock. Uh, Written by Greg Pak. uh, Art by Aaron Cooter. Um, 
I do like this. I do have to point out that, yes, those are supposed to be the Wonder Twins. Because you and... I think it was when you and Christina uh, had us... Not really a solo episode, but a duo episode. I think, yeah. Yeah, you guys were talking... Those are supposed to be the Wonder Twins. Wendy and Marvin were actually in Teen Titans. Uh, and I think they even had the dog. But this is supposed to be the Zan and... Was it Zan and Zana? Who they've had on Justice League Unlimited. And they looked pretty much like this. They'll never do them exactly right, but the, this this is a it's an obvious homage to the Wonder Twins. No monkey though, which is sad. Uh, I thought this was a pretty solid book for where the New Fifty Two has put Superman. Um, as far as Savage Dawn goes, it's on my higher end of it, though I do feel it got a little cheesy, but. It's Superman. People tend to write it that way. Uh, like when he gets his power back, he's kind of reminiscing and he's like, oh, everybody's going to be happy to see me now. Which I could have done without that. It's true. But uh, everybody's like, he, he was basically thinking about how everybody's going to be happy. Uh, and they even, it wasn't even him thinking it. They literally narrated that everybody sighed uh, a, a little kind of happiness when they saw the blue and red streak in the sky. And I'm like, okay, guys, that's that's a little overdoing look, it here. That look on his face was so cheesy and so annoying. I was like, oh, my God. So there, there are two things I really liked in this issue. First of all, Vandal Savage, again, explains why he's doing what he's doing. Yep. You know, they've had the opportunity to save the world. And they haven't, but they're just like a band-aid on the world and they could with their power fix the world. They haven't done so. So they're like they're like bad caretakers of the world and he's coming to like the new the new order to make things right. Of course, things right is him, you know, ruling the world with an iron fist and everyone bowing down to him, but But you know what? Like, Who's to argue? Superman. No, never done with you, no one. So I like when the villains have at least a reason that's not you know, in their mind makes them justified in what they're doing. So I enjoyed that, that you got a little more motivation for Vandal Savage. And to me, the best thing about Superman is not that he can fly and, you know, throw tanks and shoot laser beams out of his eyes. Like, that's that's all cool. But what I really like is that he acts as an inspiration to others, to make others want to do better and to be better. Agreed. Like in the last, the last one, when you had, like, Metallo, who, like, literally you know, like tore his heart out of his body to give it to him. Um, and then you have um, all of Superman's like friends basically who haven't been captured yet showing up to help him fight. Like there's stuff from like the like hollow earth world we went down and now like those people are kind of like the big dragon and like the monkey creature are, are helping him. And you know, like all this, like it's not a rogues gallery because they're not villains, but like, like in Batman, would be like the Bat family, but it's like the whole like Superman family is there uh, that he's like rallied them. And I like that he's talking about, you know, that there's all these heroes here, but then he's like, there are other heroes, you know, doing just as much and sacrificing. And then it kind of like goes down to like street level, and you see he's talking about, and he's naming them by name, so he knows who they are. But there's like there's a fireman who's rescuing people, and then you see 
like Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen and all these other people who are like getting civilians out of the way and, and doing their part as well. There's also a really cool scene at the end where uh, Lois Lane has this huge laser gun that I, I really like. I thought that was a cool little shot. Uh, I liked seeing the old Superman come back. I thought that was a really cool panel. Uh, overall, I, I just thought this was a very, very strong issue of Savage Dawn. I wish they were all like this. Right. I, I, I would have liked a little bit more work and thought put into this whole Savage Dawn series, but this is pretty good for what I've come to expect out of DC with the Superman property. Well, Greg Pak is taking the the lead on the next um, DC series that's coming out, um, and I think he's going to end up taking over um, a lot of the Superman. Yeah, so, yeah. I liked it. I, I did not. I still just see you Super, see Super Bro, Bro. Um, yeah. tonight's droids. Um, with his green veininess, and I'm sorry, the kryptonite around his neck when it's not glowing green in the panels, it looks like a scrotum around his neck. I I cannot like one of those trucks. Yes, I cannot stand this series. It just it bugs me. The art bugs me. It just I have no interest in it whatsoever. I'm just like, oh my god, just shut up. (laughs) Like, why does it make me keep reading these books? What did what did you end up giving it, Matt? I give it three and a half back in costumes. I give it four fortresses of solitude. Uh, <clears throat> I give it uh, give it two because I'm sure some people like it. Two kryptonite scrotums. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that even when you're being nice. The book. <laughs> it's a backhanded <laughs> compliment if I've ever heard one. I don't like. Oh, I just the artwork bothers me. Him talking bothers me. I I don't want him to win. That's the thing. I just don't like. Like Diana and Lana, like the girls are at least drawn kind of nice. But other than that, I'm just like I hate them. All. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So at the end of everything, we have standoff. Yes, Avengers Standoff has some tie-in books. Yes. But we're not going to fucking review them. No, we're going to probably give like, uh, I'll, I'll go through them. I'll give like a one-sentence summary of the overall, because there is an overall story that's going through this, so it's not like part of the story's in this book. The whole, I, I feel like each tie-in is pretty important to your overall. Even I don't know about the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. tie-in. So the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. one is the, they're in an order. So that's the first one. And that one, basically, Coulson is tracking down, uh, like, his ex-girlfriend. And they're finding out about the, the cube. And that's going to end up, you know, being a big secret for S.H.I.E.L.D. And causing, like, an internal split, basically. Yeah, but the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. tie-in kind of seemed like a side story plug-in. Well, because the book doesn't really, to me, doesn't feel like it belongs in the Marvel Universe. Not that belongs very much in the TV universe to me. Yeah, but, it's very much like the TV. Because now yeah. it's like... Well, it is the TV one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it feels weird. Um, I ended up giving... We're just going to do dirty. Uh, reviews for, you know, ratings for this without much of a review because there's going to be so many of them. So Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, number three. Um, who wrote it? Let's at least give them that. I didn't pull that up. I, I wrote it down. Let me. Oh, on your outline. 
my outline. Yeah, I wrote it down. Mark uh, Guggenheim. Yeah, Guggenheim, Peralta, and Rosenberg are the names of some yeah, Written by Mark Guggenheim, art by German Peralta. Um, I gave it two and a half uh, agents. Um, yeah, I give it like yeah, two and a half Colsons. I'll give it two and a half Lolas. The car, not the character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're all we're all read two and a half. Two yeah, and a half yeah. it's yeah. I like the show. Uh, I don't like how they're doing this book. Uh, next one was Uncanny Avengers number seven, also by Marvel. Natural Force, uh, written by Jerry Duggan, uh, art by Ryan Stegman. Uh, so this one is basically uh, in the last Uncanny Avengers, they had the, the Crusher, the guy, the guy with the crowbar, uh, had went into Avengers Mansion to smash it up, and Deadpool gave him a bunch of money to become an informant, and then they find him again. Um, Is that Wrecker? And he, huh? He's not Crusher Creel. Crusher Creel's the absorbing man. I think. No, he's part of the. I can't he's part of the Wrecking Crew. Yeah. This is this is also the issue where I it has That's one Wrecker. of the No, I'm saying this is also one of the ones that has one of the magicians that was that I was talking about that was in Doctor Strange that they have a panel of. Yeah. And they mention, you know, that his magic isn't working so hot. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, that's uh Brother Voodoo. Yeah. Yeah, the one in New Orleans, yeah. Dirt. So Garth this Wade. one um, find out that uh that that member of the Wrecking Crew got sent to uh, uh, Pleasant Hill to be uh, and has escaped along with a version of Maria Hill. So now there's more than one, maybe, or maybe one of them is like Mystique or something. I don't know, but there's at least two Maria Hills now, um, and they they've escaped. So that's that's basically what's happening in Uncanny Avengers. Uh, I really like this one. Um, I gave this one um, four. Uh, Avengers Assembled. This definitely goes up in my book just because there's Rogue in it. I mean, that's just kind of how werewolves, you know, throw... If there's a thing with Rogue and werewolves in the same issue... <laughs> what if and... Rogue I'm absorbed to... Rain's powers and became a werewolf? Mm, this is a possibility. So, yeah, um, I give it... Um, I'll give it four Deadpools and golf clothes. God damn it! it. I was literally gonna do that. <laughs> Fuck! Fine, I can give it rogue boobs. No, no, it's too late. <laughs> we'll do it live. Fuck it. Mind meld. Mind meld. Your mind to mine. Uh, I gotta fucking that. come up with another. God damn. Just give me a minute. Fuck. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Christina's not here. I gotta make up. That's true. Uh, what the hell is the name of the crowbar? It tastes like strawberries or um, seaweed. God damn it. Come correct. What's the name of the crowbar? That's this one. Fuck it. I'll give it three and a half whatever the hell the name of that crowbar is. Uh, Just the look on his face. I can't remember what they call it. Barbara? Yes, it was Barbara. <laughs> Just the look of happiness. It's like yeah. he found his wife after years. He's like biting his lower lip too. It's like Barbara. He is into Barbara. <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. 
So those were the Avengers Avengers and I am. Yep. Um, So yeah, so those were the books we read this week. To check out our weekly pull list and other nerd shenanigans, go check out fourcolornerds.com or on our Facebook page, Four Color Nerds. You can also follow us on Twitter or on Instagram. You can find the podcast on iTunes. On Stitcher. On SoundCloud. And on Podcast Addict. That got all thrown off, and I think it's my fault. It's all right. (laughs) Make sure to subscribe subscribe to the podcast, and be sure to come on back next week for another episode. Until then, keep reading, nerds.